Amen. And so, Father, we are truly thankful for the grace of the Holy Spirit that has been poured upon us, the spirit of revelation, the spirit that anoints, the spirit that leads us deeper and deeper into your presence. And so as we gather during this weekend, pour out again your spirit to fill our minds and our hearts so that in all things we will always be willing to say yes to Jesus in building up his kingdom, for he is the Lord forever and ever. Amen. And amen. Good morning to all of you. Now my throat is a bit sore because I've been preaching non-stop since Ash Wednesday. And we had a street procession last night, so I had to be shouting all over the hills of Lavantil, calling down the power of Jesus Christ. So if you don't hear me well, just open your ears a little more, sir. Can't help that, so. So this morning we're going to talk a little bit of what we take from the first letter of St. Peter, chapter 5, from verse 5, as we journey with this time this morning, and um, I am starting very late, so don't look at your watch. It's not my fault. So Peter writes his letters to the church, the early church, and writes to us in our time. And even though years have passed in between that to now, the word of God is ever alive and ever relevant. The word of God might be ancient in its origin, but very new in its presence to us today and always alive the writer to the hebrew says that jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever so jesus christ is never old and he is the living word so the word of god is ever alive and it is alive in our midst today and it needs to be given expression and power by us in the Roman Catholic tradition. Let's face it. The average Catholic is dumb when it comes to the Bible. You see, you don't agree with me because you don't like to hear that. Because Catholics don't like to hear the truth, you know. They like what is comfortable. They like what does not disturb them. They like 45 minutes on a Sunday morning and let me go home. Yes. That is why, and I'm going to say it, I know I'm being taped. Our churches are emptying. You know why? Because Catholic worship is boring. I'm telling you that as a priest. I said it at the last priest meeting we had with the former archbishop and still they asked me what I mean by that. After all these months, whenever they meet me, I say, what do you mean? How you can say a thing like that? Ask your children and grandchildren and they'll tell you what I mean. Ask them. There is a kind of deafness and blindness that has descended upon us. 
that has morphed and developed over the years in a spiritual bondage. That we cannot see what the Spirit is saying or doing today. And where God is calling the church today. Not last year, you know. Today. Because if we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, then the Spirit is a living reality. And if the Spirit is a living reality, then the Spirit is always challenging us and calling us into newness. And if that is not true, then we're in the wrong place. We're in the wrong place. So St. Peter writes to the faithful in the first letter of Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. He writes to the faithful. That's all of us. All of us. The faithful here, the faithful in New Zealand, the faithful in Australia, the faithful in, in Africa, the faithful in South America. He writes to the faithful. And he writes and he says, in the same way, younger people be subject to elders. Nobody want to hear that today. You tell people that, I say, all your old people stupid, yes. Imagine my, some of my young parishioners that tell me I old. <laughs> I old fashioned. So I don't want to put my hand on the mouth, you know, but you can't do that. <laughs> A bullet flying by your head, you know, so you have to be careful. <laughs> But the average young person thinks that once you cross 30 years, you're old. Not so? The camera lady knows what I'm saying about it. <laughs> so they're, they're not listening to you. So you have to find another way. So, younger people be subject to the elders. Humility towards one another must be the garment you all wear constantly humility has to be a garment it's you know paul writes very often and paul says put on put on the armor of god just like you put on clothes but you know in the catholic church we do we don't wear much clothes that is something i have to encourage the new church to write something about because i'm tired and sick of seeing Catholic people and you have to, I mean, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And when you tell them something, they, they vex with you, eh? Vex with you. Oh, you're, you're, you're old fashioned. Like, you're like woman or water. And all this kind of stupidness. The Catholic had to tell you. You know, it, it ain't easy being a priest. You know? <laughs> because they always feel something wrong with you because. You're telling them what is right. No wonder the church is in the mess that it is in it. Because nobody wants to be called to order. Nobody. So Peter writes, Peter says, so humility towards one another must be the garment you wear constantly. How often? That means all the time. But you know what has happened among us? We have become a very proud people. We, we, we feel that if people not like us, they can't tell us anything. We feel that if they're not educated like us, we don't have to listen to them. If they're not the same color, tone of skin, well, I have two tones, so I don't know what problem with you all you. 
If they don't have the same skin tone like us, we don't have to listen to them. If they're not from the same financial background like us, we don't have to listen to them. That's pride. That's not humility. That's pride. And Catholic Christians have to be willing to humble themselves to learn. To learn what it means to be Christian in the very complex world and environment we live in. Very complex. You know, where I work now, you know, the majority of people, most of the Catholics have left the church. Yeah, Shanghuan, Orisha, and all this kind of thing. Because we did not meet their needs over the years. When they had spiritual needs, when things were happening to them, we were not present to them. We were present around our altars, doing our nice, fancy things that didn't speak anything to them really. Didn't really speak anything to them. I, I think after the late Father Pantin did what he did, I don't think anybody else really made any inroads in that area. And that has become an institution taken over by the government now. So I personally believe the spirituality of Serval has been lost. Because it was a spirituality that he was offering in the shape of Serval. And that affected the lives of many. But that generation has moved on. And the other generation just see it as getting something for free. And the spirituality is not there. And I believe that as church, that whatever we do must be accompanied by a spirituality. I don't just like giving people food. You have to hear a little word first. Because I must not only satisfy your physical hunger, I must also feed you spiritually. A lot of people have problems with me up there because they are accustomed getting for free. And I say, no, nothing for free here. You've got to sit down and hear a little sermon. You've got to sing a song or two and clap your hands and feel the joy of the Lord before I give you the food. <laughs> but you get the food, you know. But people think that's troublesome, you see. So I'm a troublemaker. Humility. Clothe yourself. Put it on. Because this is part of your weaponry and armor for fighting the fighting. Any proud leader will always lose. Will always lose. So Peter goes on, he says, Because God opposes the proud, but accords his favor to the humble. Favor is God's grace. Favor is God's mercy. Favor is God's goodness. Favor is God looking upon you and making you special. So all of us are special. All of us should be looking forward to receiving the favor of God. Because God wants to pour out his favor upon you. God wants you and I to know. So Peter writes and says, God opposes the proud but accords his favor to the humble. And it's leading up to what the talk is about. Bow down then before the power of God so that he may raise you up in due time and load all your burdens
comes unto him since he's concerned about you. And we live in the context of a world today where people do not believe that God cares about them. Because they have heard so much God over the years and disaster still comes. Because the preaching of evangelicalism has fooled our people. Because their preaching is a God of blessing, not a God of suffering. And not a God who accompanies his people through suffering. Suffering is of the devil. So anytime anything bad happens to you that you didn't plan for, you didn't pray for, that is the devil. Evangelicalism has not prepared people to carry the cross. It's not. So, so many of our people have bought into that, which I call cheap Christianity. They have bought into it, and many Catholics have gone there. Many Catholics. One of the rules I had to remind the people of in the new pastor here that I'm in is only Catholics are allowed to come to communion. So, if I suspect you are Baptist, I tell you, sit down. So that I fall out in line with many of them because they were accustomed to just coming up. So I began to make the announcement. Because everybody felt it was all right to be Catholic and you could go to Jesus Elam and you could go to coffee and you could go to mother this and pastor this and lean and come to communion on a Sunday. You know what that does? That destroys the purity and the power of the spirit to work among us. It destroys it. And that is what is happening among us. We have fallen victim to cheap preaching. Powerless preaching. Now I know I'm being recorded. And I know I will get some calls from some brother priest. But there is a reality we have to face. There's a reality we have to face. When I walk the streets of Laventil and Mova and Beatham and all of that, people tell me, I used to be Catholic, you know. Everybody I meet is I used to be Catholic. <laughs> like you're buying things in a used clothing store. <laughs> Everything is used to be. Then why did you leave? Well, the church boring. There is a fight that we have to engage in. And it's a fight for the souls and the lives of our sons and daughters. But it demands a certain disposition to engage it. And we are here because in some way we believe that we can make a difference. And I want to encourage you in that. The church in Trinidad and Tobago needs everybody on board. We cannot tolerate bench warmers anymore. We can't. From the youngest to the most senior, there is work to be done. There is a fight to be engaged. There is a spiritual war that is taking place among us. 
A few weeks ago, I was walking one of the back streets in the hills, and this lady come up. She said, use the priest. I said, yeah. She said, well, I am an archbishop so-and-so. So your grace did have rivals to you, eh? She's archbishop so-and-so. She said, me, I hear about you, you know? I hear about you. And I said, well, I heard about you too. I heard about you too. And she said to me, I don't believe like you, you know. I believe vengeance is mine because I hear they tell me you're talking a lot about forgiveness and mercy. She said, vengeance is mine. Her two sons were murdered, which is very sad. And she says, I stood up and I saw the people do it die one by one. She told me what she did. When, when her sons were killed, she went and she take off her head tie. She soaked up all the blood and went. And she said, I kneeled down on that head tie for nine days and nine nights in fasting that God's judgment will work through me. And I saw them die. Vengeance is mine, she says. That is not God. That is the kind of darkness we're fighting in Trinidad and Tobago. And too many Catholics are naive to it. Very naive. And we're walking among serpents. We're walking among spiritual darkness. And we think it's all right. I love you. You love me. We give Vidal on a Sunday morning. We sing Hosanna and go home. That's it. That ain't working. That ain't working. There is a need to encounter the living Jesus in the Catholic Church. If we believe that we serve a living God, then the living God can be encountered, can be experienced. And as long as we deny our people that, the death will continue. The dryness will go on. The powerlessness will prevail. And our people will continue to look for refreshing waters elsewhere. They will continue to look for it. Because this younger generation who is seeking some measure of satisfaction, who live on the level of pleasure, also want to experience spiritual pleasure to coin a phrase and if we cannot bring them some measure of quote-unquote happiness in their spiritual journey they will find it elsewhere and that's the reality we're facing i met a young man recently who was confirmed he was confirmed in April of 2016 or May of 2016. And by the end of 2016, December, I met him. He was a black Muslim. He's a black Muslim. Fully dressed in his garb and everything and walking about and trying to evangelize some of the younger men to come and join them. What happened to him that he has zeal to do that and he didn't have zeal to do that as a Catholic? 
And that's the story of so many of our people. You know. We have no zeal for this fight. No zeal for this fight. That is why St. Peter rises his communion and said, there are certain things you've got to do you now. You've got to clothe yourself in humility. You've got to learn to bow down and acknowledge the power of God because the power does not originate in you and I. It comes from God as a free gift, as a free grace, as an anointing. And we must be afraid of those words. Those are words in the Bible. They're in the church's tradition. So don't be afraid like I keep reminding people, you know. Amen is a Catholic word. Now, I preach in Pentecostal churches. I preach in Seventh-day Adventist churches. I preach in Baptist church. I preach in Hindu temple and all kind of thing. And you know, when you're among Pentecostals, they just give you energy. When you want to go on, you don't want to stop. Everything is, amen, pastor. You let me hear it, pastor. Yes, pastor. They don't call me father, they call me pastor. You preach among Catholics and they're watching you, so. Like, when he got done, Wake up, you know, church. Because look around here. The average age of this congregation here is not very exciting. Eh? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm honest, you know. And that's the average age of our congregations. That's the average of our congregations. If we do not get our younger people excited about life in Christ, about who Jesus is, and what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, we're in trouble in 20 years. We're in serious trouble in serious trouble so there's a fight we gotta get involved with so St. Peter goes on he says keep sober and alert now this word sober is used six times in the New Testament not in the Old Testament six times now I know about sober because I grew up with people drunk every day <laughs> my, my background is that so I know what sober means but the Bible uses this in the context of being alert, being aware, being prepared. Because a drunk person can't really do much except behave bad. Not so? You, you give a drunk man to fix a car, you end up over the hill, you know. You give a drunk man to build your house, start, he might start from the roof. And then look into the foundation after. So you know you're in trouble. So St. Peter writes, and St. Paul uses it in Acts of the Apostles, in letter to the Thessalonians, letter to the Romans, reminding the people, the church, be sober, be vigilant, be alert, be aware of God's call upon your life because the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion. And we have seen the enemy at work. Now the devil doesn't come ugly and stink, you know. The devil comes nice, you know. I think my, my, my greatest 
encounter with this evil was a couple weeks ago when those two young two persons were burnt alive in the car in Trumacac. Now they're not Catholics, but they know me from walking around. I walk the streets a lot. And so the young boy's mother called me because she was beyond herself. And just to stand and watch, you could feel. If you have any sense of spirituality, you could feel the power of evil. That two human persons roasted alive. What has happened to us in this little island that we have sung to that level where human beings have become worthless. Then we all were greeted with a horror story a few weeks before that when the couple were chopped up. You remember that story? The couple and they were dumped in garbage bags, put in garbage bags and put to the side of the road. The evil is right here, you know. It ain't coming again, you know. It's it in our midst. It's in, it right in our midst. And the manifestation of it is being seen. You see, people think that long term evil was when somebody praying over and you're jumping up and you're beating like a fowl in the ground. No, no. It's being manifested in the acts of wickedness and the horror stories that you and I are reading and some of us are very unfortunate to be part of it. To be part of it. This morning as I was coming out the gate, in Success Village, there was this young man on the side of the pavement. And I'm seeing that more and more and more, the amount of young lives just ending up on the side of the street. Overdose on drugs, drunk, fighting during the night, they probably got a cut and on the side of the street, wasted human life. I think that's a manifestation of evil. The destruction of the beauty that God made. That our minds have become so warped to think that the human is no longer beautiful. The human no longer carries within himself or herself dignity and self-worth. I see this evil manifested in the amount of young girls who are, well, some are taken advantage of, that's few, but the majority of them who are allowing themselves to become slaves. They're making a child for Peter. They're making a child for Harry. They're making a child for John. All with the intention that Peter will mind the child and mind them and then walk out. So then they go by Harry and they end up with the next child and Harry walk out. And then they go by John and John gave them a child and the next. So they end up with three, four. And they end up by the priest one morning. Father, you have anything to give me? And the end of that is fatherless children who being raised by some aunt or some grandmother because the mother busy looking for help. And the story continues. The evil that we are fighting today is being manifested in the disaster stories that we are hearing in this little island that we live in, which once was called a paradise. When 
with horror we read that the month of February is only in the middle and we have had more than 60 murders. You know something is drastically wrong. It's drastically wrong. And I think even we as church are not aware of it. That we're dealing not only with a physical problem of murder, but there is a spirituality behind it. Whenever I remember what that archbishop said to me up at the hill, I, I, I'm, chills go through my being to think that this is supposed to be a spiritual leader in the community. But what she practices has nothing to do with spiritual life. Nothing. And you have to encounter with her because when you have gatherings, she's, she's there. And, and you know what they're doing. And all you could do is resort to prayer. Because you can't tell her anything. She is in her own domain. And so I ask all of us, from wherever part of this little island we are from, not only because we're in Lent, but to make it as part of our journey as believers, as Christians, to embrace fasting and prayer. Not just saying prayers, you know, you know we Catholics have plenty of prayers. We have a prayers for everything. Everything you can find a prayers for any Catholic church. Saying prayers and praying is two different things. We could say plenty of prayers. We could start from six in the morning and by six in the evening we still have prayer book rattling. <laughs> or you could take time with God and pray. Engage God and let God engage you. Prayer is more listening than talking. But we do more talking than listening. Because we always feel we are saying enough. And I need to tell God this and I need to tell God that. But God has a few things to tell you. But you've got to quiet yourself. And we don't like that. You notice some of us just put on the television in house and we're listening to it. You know? But we just want noise. Because we are afraid of being quiet. We are afraid. We are afraid of the quiet. I'm sure if I do a little exercise and tell everybody here, just to be quiet for two minutes, you'll suddenly hear people start. <laughs> they start to shift in the chair. A book start to open. Suddenly something falls along and it's wrong. Because we are afraid of being still. Why? Because we are afraid of what we might just hear. I learned that the hard way. That's how I heard God say, you have to be a priest. There was this retreat offered years ago by Sister Patrice, who is a Clooney sister. That time she was young and beautiful. I won't know. <laughs> if she hear me say that, oh Lord, she knocked off her head. But we are good friends. <laughs> And I just said, okay, I'm going to that retreat. It was up at the mount. And Sister Patrice gave us an exercise the Saturday night. He said, I want everybody to find a place by yourself, whether it's outside in the yard or out in the old retreat house of the mount. Walk wherever by yourself. And don't say nothing. Just find a place and sit and be quiet. Me, I didn't like that. 
But in obedience to her, I found a place. I went under a tree and I sat down. And I just tried to be quiet. It's difficult, you know. I did all kinds of things. Not to you. Until finally, I wore myself out and I just said, let me be silent. And in the silence, I heard a little voice saying, you shall be my priest. At that time, I engaged to be married. I'm already engaged to be married. My little voice said, and you shall be my priest. And here I am, 29 years after that. What great things God could do if we take time to listen. St. Peter reminds us, he says, keep sober and be alert. Why? There's a reason for it. There's a reason why you have to put on humility. Why you have to humble yourself. Why you have to keep sober and alert. There's a reason for it. He says, because your enemy, the devil, is on the prowl like a roaring lion. See, there's a battle taking place in the world, you know. It's a spiritual battle. And sadly, most of us in the Roman Catholic tradition, we are not aware of it. We are not aware of it. We think everything is nice and sweet. We have a nice choir. You know, we have air-conditioned churches now. Things are going nice. The kneelers have nice sponge on it. We have upholstered seats. Father only talking for five minutes on a Sunday. And he is nice. And he smiles with all the old ladies. And he let them kiss them even though they are no teeth. And all this kind of thing. And things are going well. That's what deception is all about. That's what deception is all about. And I think deception has seeped in our midst. That we think that because our buildings are looking nice, the faith of the people are nicer. That's not true. The reality is, there is tremendous spiritual death among us. That is why the enemy, the enemy is doing all that he is doing. That is why there is so much a division among us. People don't like you to say that. Because they feel you mustn't say that. But it's the truth. Among us in the Catholic Church, there is great division. Among us as priests. Among us as different groups, different entities in the archdiocese. There are many sentiments in the Paul and like the charismatic renewal, charismatic renewal, and like living, living waters and living waters, and like um, 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 divine mercy and divine mercy. No, I, I ain't saying it, so I'm just using that as an example, right? So don't quote me on that. I'm just saying it to highlight the division that is there among us. But we can't deny it's a reality. It's a reality. And as long as we continue to deny these things, the enemy is going to have a field day with us. We have to honestly acknowledge, listen, there are things here that are wrong, and the only way forward is to repent. To repent. We have to take responsibility for the darkness that has descended upon us. 
all of us as parents have a responsibility to take and accept our feelings you know in the average catholic household today most of us our children are not practicing the faith they're not practicing the faith they're living in our homes and we are afraid to tell them anything but we in church every day we pray like mad but they're bringing their boyfriend in the house and overnighting but I know none of you here are doing that <laughs> and then they will tell me but father they're doing nothing you know yes you believe in Cinderella That's deception. And deception is the beginning of our death. Because then light is transformed into darkness and we no longer know the difference. We no longer know the difference. St. Peter reminds us the devil is like a roaring lion. Now I know a lot of educated Catholics today don't believe in the devil and so on. You know? They believe that that's just a lot of spiritual nonsense. Well, I don't have the time to stand up and tell you some of the experiences I've had. But take it from me. If my word is, no, is any, of any value, it real. It real. It very real. And working and living where I work now, it right up in your face. It right up in your face. Last night we had a street procession, as I said. We started off the week with um, Lent, with three days of fasting and prayer in the pastoral area. So we ended it with a, a street procession with the Eucharist. And while we were walking up the street, the police were with us and everything, but this guy decided that he had time to wait on the police. And he wanted to break the line. So I just came up with the Blessed Sacrament and I stood in front of him. And he got out of the car and started to cuss. And I stood there with the Blessed Sacrament in front of him. And I told him when he watched up, and he just bowed his head, went back in his car and sat down right there. Not a word again. Not a word again. And he waited until the whole procession passed and he take her next street. <laughs> Certainly, darkness is out there. And the, the faster you wake up and realize that, that this thing is not about saying prayers, you know. This is about living prayer. This is about living faith. This is about putting what you have believed for all of these years into action. Giving flesh to your faith. Otherwise, faith is meaningless today. Because people have become tired of religion. They have become tired of all of this preaching that they're hearing. They have become tired because evangelicalism has made us believe that religion is about money. 
Religion is about living the good life. About riding the best cars and having the most fanciest houses. And it's not about simplicity. It's not about living a simple, ordinary life. It's not about witnessing to the power of God. It's not about serving the poor. It's not about raising up the downtrodden. My dear brothers and sisters, St. Peter reminds us, he says, stand up. Stand up to the evil. You could do two things. You could run or you could stand up. And when you run, you are lost. You are defeated. But the moment you give the enemy your back, you're dead. You're dead. I can remember when I first went up there, somebody, bad boys, quote unquote, said to me, we hire back in a father. I said, no, I don't want you hire my back. Thanks, but no. <laughs> they have my back. I don't ask you for protection. I have my own protector. <laughs> they have my back. From the moment you give the enemy your back, you lose. You can't see what's behind you. Can't see. St. Peter says, stand up to him. And I say to all of us here, stand up in the power of your faith. Because what you have was not given to you by man or woman. It was given to you by God himself. By virtue of your baptism, you have been anointed. You have been sanctified. You have been called. You are chosen. You are filled with the spirit of the living God. Stand up to the darkness. Don't bow down before it. Stand up to the darkness. I believe the Catholic Church has a vital truth to share in this world. But most Catholics don't believe that. Most Catholics believe that all they have to do is go to Mass on a Sunday and smile with Father. That doesn't cut it again, you know. That don't, that doing nothing, you know. You have to grow in your faith. You have to challenge your sons and daughters to become faithful and faith-filled members of the church. We cannot give our children the option of not practicing faith. Because the darkness is going to swallow them alive. I remember Father Theodore saying something years ago. He said the world out there is not a playground. You know. He says the world out there is a battlefield. And if you're not equipped for battle, you will die. That's as plain as you can put it in you know. St. Peter reminds the church and reminds us, stand up strong in faith. What kind of faith do you have to have? Strong. Not that mamsy, mamsy faith. Most people have, you know. No, no, strong in faith. And how do you get strong faith? By constant and consistent prayer and fasting. That's the stuff that saints were made of. Saints are saints because they dared to live extraordinary Christian lives. Saints are saints because they dared to make a difference in this world. They dared to live the truth of Jesus Christ. That's why they are saints. That's why they are saints. 
You and I have to learn how to stand up. Strong in our faith. Because what we have is, was, is not corruptible like silver or gold. What we have is given to us by God himself. The church is not the instrument or the work of man, you know. The church is God's gift to the world. And God has promised that he will not abandon his church. We could abandon God. We could become cold in faith. We could become routine. We could become, you know, lax in our faith. But God remains faithful. And it is from that understanding that we, we are reminded to stand strong in our faith. So you've got to build yourself in your most holy faith. It don't happen automatically. Not because you are baptized Catholic and you made first communion confirmation says your faith is alive. And there are plenty Catholic in hell. Just remember that. Like, you know, that's one of the things I always marvel at when, I, when you have funerals. We never bury no bad people in the Catholic Church. Everybody that is buried in the Catholic Church is a saint. You ever hear them eulogies? Man, you wonder, that's the person you know who did. You know them. And the kind of things people that say at eulogies, you want. Is that the same person in the box there? Even at a mass of the resurrection, we lie in. We lie in. We got to get this thing right, brothers and sisters. Listen, where we are in Trinidad and Tobago is painful. It's painful. Every man that is murdered leaves at least two or three fatherless children. Last year in 2017, we had almost 500 murders. And 410, 10 of them were male. Just on an average, if each of them had two children, just think how many children are fatherless in one year. In one year. In a little island like this. When you have a school population where 200 of the children have seen their mothers or fathers killed in front of them. You know what that does to the children? That's the kind of evil we're dealing with here. Now, there might be psychological counseling and all of that, which you and I know is very limited here. Unless the people of God wake up to the reality that we have a responsibility for the future of our church. And I don't mean the institution per se, but for the people of God who are part of the body of Christ and take this responsibility with seriousness and work, put all our energies because we are a gifted people. We are a blessed people here in Trinidad and Tobago. You know, God has raised up great men and women in the church here in Trinidad and Tobago. God has richly blessed us, but many of us have taken those things for granted. And we see ourselves as coming to receive, but not as giving back anything else. Yes, I see I have five minutes again.
Brothers and sisters, this church belongs to us. The enemy must not take it from us. Our people are being lied to. They are being lied to by the material value and culture of our society. They are being lied to into believing that pleasure is the way to go. Stand up to it. Stand up as a believer in Jesus Christ. Stand up as a believer in the Blessed Virgin Mary. Stand up as a believer in sacred Eucharist. Fight the good fight. Resist the devil. Be sober. Don't be drunk on the stupidness of vanity. Don't be drunk on the stupidness of materialism. Don't be drunk on the stupidness of pleasure. Don't be drunk on the stupidness of living your own life your own way you want to. Be conformed to the grace of God being poured out. Be conformed to the power of the spirit that is being poured out. Let God fill your life. We need all hands on deck to fight this fight in the church in Trinidad and Tobago. Everybody has to get involved. Nobody is ever too old. If you can't come out of your house to walk, you can stay and pray and intercede all day long. You can get your children to drive you to a chapel. You can sit down for two, three hours before Jesus in the blessed sacrament. We need warriors. We need men and women to fight this good fight. Because if we don't fight, we will be conquered. We will be conquered. And you see me? Nobody I want, nobody conquering me. I going down fighting to the last. Because I believe that greater is he who is within me than he that is in the world. Because he who lives in me is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And he is the victorious king of kings and lord of lords. God bless you.